Welcome to Getting to Nimble. I'm Bill Smoots, a pastor. And I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. Although I should say, don't join us on this next third Tuesday because by then I will have had a baby and we are going to take a brief maternity leave. I, I hope we don't be too brief in this. I, I, I want us to take a proper maternity leave for you, Sarah. Yes, yes, an excellent maternity leave. Oh, I like that. I like that. Today we're going to talk about, oh, how do we describe this? We're, we're going to talk about um, looking at the time post-COVID uh, for the church, but, but how do we use our present day to creatively begin thinking about what that future day may be, might be, and what we as churches will will be able to do, will will want to do, will need to let go of doing. Um, it doesn't fit into any neat category that I've been able to name. We're we're not talking about getting out a crystal ball and predicting, but rather what can we be doing right now to imagine the new future, knowing that we don't. We, we can't really imagine fully, but we can start the work of that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the place that, that I thought might be an interesting jumping off point for us is uh, a book that's a few years old now, uh, Phyllis Tickle's uh, book, The Great Emergence. The piece that I remember most clearly from uh, her book was the sense that the church needed to have a garage sale every 500 years or so to declutter, uh, to get rid of the accumulated practices and accumulated traditions and, and, and all that stuff we shoved down into the church basement or, or up into the attic. In the kitchen, those drawers in the yeah. kitchen. I discovered yesterday what that weirdo piece of plastic was. It's like a little cup. I mean, you guys have probably all seen it. It's a little cup and it has like a, like a spigot in the middle with a valve. And I'm like, what on earth is this? It's for filling those little plastic communion cups. And you're like, Oh, you've you never seen one of those? No, I've never seen such a thing. And like some, some friend posted a picture on Facebook of all things. And I was like, Oh, that's what that weirdo thing is. <laughs> <laughs> I let my kid borrow it from church as a bath toy once. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is, but you're going to have fun. <laughs> I thought communion tasted soapy that one Sunday. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I just think we're in the midst of uh, a big garage sale. And, and you know, Tickles in, in her, her premise is that every 500 years or so, and we're roughly 500 years post-Reformation, which was the, the most recent garage sale she lifted up. And, and so, so while the church was already in a time of transition, I mean, I feel like that has been going on for 40 years, 50 mm -hmm. years, yeah. uh, maybe more. While that was going on, um, I think COVID time, has just blown the doors off of that. And, and um, the, the garage sale that was just getting warmed up, it's like now we're, throw, we're throwing pews into it. We're throwing, uh, you know, the, those- I'm over the, here nodding. Yes, throw yes, the pews. Yes, yes, we're, we're, we're throwing those beloved traditions into it, you know, but we've always done it this way. Yeah. Um, and and Because we haven't always done it this way. We're suddenly- unmoored and all the all the folks younger and older who s have clung so valiantly to we've always done it this way 
are discovering that they are, there are other ways for them to worship. There are other ways for them to be the church. And right. sometimes they really like it. And, and, and I think they're suddenly finding that maybe some of these things they've clung to um, thinking they provided so much meaning are, are suddenly like, Oh, I, I guess I really don't need this. Uh, and, and, or the meaning that it provided um, is, is gone because it, the, the situation has changed so dramatically that that meaning providing peace is no longer necessary. Yeah. It's like, I thought, say the church service was quote unquote doing this thing for me. And then I've discovered, yeah, I miss it, but it's actually for ABC other reasons than what I thought were the reasons. Right. Right. I can, I can watch it in my underwear, having a second cup of coffee. I can pause it when I need to get another, you know, helping of breakfast. Um, I can fast forward through the sermon because mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to that pastor again. Uh, I mean, you know, all those great things they're discovering and it's changing, it's changing things we can't even imagine are, are changing uh, around churches. I'm, I'm beginning to watch some of my brave um, member leaders begin to look over the edge a little bit and say, we know it's going to be different. We need to start planning for, for yeah. how we're going to be the church of Jesus post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I applaud that courage and, and that creativity. I don't think they know what they're looking at. They're not quite sure how we need to do it. In, in good church people fashion, it's like, okay, let's create a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. let's, let's With envision a slogan. A Can we have a slogan? And, and that will solve it. And, and, others then, and that brings other leaders in saying, you know, maybe we need to think about priorities, the purposes, the, the, the core values, the, the, the mission, uh, missional priorities, or, or, you know, what are the things that we're really needing? What, what's our core? What's the base? What, what are we going to use as the foundation from which to try to do these new things? Which got me thinking about our conversation, uh, our most recent podcast conversation with Christine, um, where she was saying, you got to get the whys straight. Now, she was talking about educational programming, faith formation programming for this fall, but, but I think the, getting the whys straight is uh, crucial as we begin to think, how does the entire church function post-COVID? Um, this is making me think about the, what I, I think, what I imagine many churches feel adequately addresses the why. And it's, you know, you see this on church websites and I, I have spent way too much time on various church websites <laughs> for re- reasons related to my doctoral work, reasons related to, I don't know, a quirk in my personality. I'm like, oh, how did they do it? Man, there's a lot of total crap written that's like, we want to be the neighborhood church and we love Jesus. And it's like, yes, I know. But like that, th- that's not actually telling you the why, like that's like the, the deepest why we love Jesus kind of thing. But the whole like, you know, it's, it's like we've, we've, uh, you know, no English teacher would ever allow this. It's like four, four phrases strung together that are disconnected that like satisfy the four committees that you had that, Correct. that together are, are, are utterly generic, absolutely generic. And, and um, I mean, not this, this is maybe tangential, but I, I think that it is related to this whole, like, well, what is your why? And if your why is four generic things dreamed up by a committee 15 years ago, like, uh, yeah, no. Right. Every time I have tried to work on 
um, core values or core principles, however you want to name them, with, with a governing body in a church. Um, I, I, I spend all this time trying to set it up and, and invite people to use their imaginations and, and, and really stress this is not a programmatic exercise. This is, this is really uh, using our imaginations, using our vision. How is God calling us into the future? And, and how do we describe that around the things that this congregation most values or understands is important as we relate to God? And, and then I get people working in small groups. And, and what comes back is a list of programs and projects ah, that, yep. that we need to take on. And, and I say, you know, no more than eight words, fewer, better. Um, and, and I'll get, you know, paragraph descriptions of this program or, or this project. Little, little mm. ad here for Salisbury Cathedral in England. Um, the best list of core values slash principles that I've ever seen a religious organization put together is, is Salisbury Cathedral. And, and if you go poking around on their website, um, you, you will find their list. I don't think anything has more than eight words in it. There's only about six of them. It's impressive. Somebody's done some great work there. Um, I'm going to take a second and find these. Oh, Our Purpose and Values. They also have a very nicely laid out website. They do. They do. Oh, and this is really Really lovely. Um, I think an English teacher would approve. Let me, let me just read this, and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes. We seek to be prayerful, compassionate proclaimers of the Christian faith, helping all to encounter God and his transformative presence. Now, to me, that raises like, okay, well, we love Jesus, and, and we want to connect with Jesus. And then it says, our purpose is to make a difference for God through exceptional worship and outreach. We are committed to developing a culture of faith and hope, which is joyful, deeply serious, and quietly confident. That feels so British. How we do things, they didn't have this feels so British in there. That's my uh, editorializing. <laughs> How we do things is as important as what we do. So they're making an argument right there. They're not just stating, they're making an argument. How we do things is as important as what we do. And we focus on three values in particular. Wow, that's such a great sentence. It's making an argument and it's saying of all the things that you could do, we're choosing these three. So here's the three. Integrity, reflected in transparent, fair, and consistent actions. Generosity, which generates a warm, open welcome to all. Compassion, which promotes social justice, equality, diversity, dignity, consideration, and respect for all. Our ambition is to be a beacon of confident, open Christianity with a reputation for warmth of welcome and willingness to engage with others. Man, Bill, you are right. That is really good. I'm, I'm ready to go worship there. I'm, I know. I'm, and you know what there is. It's not like, okay, yeah. so you generated some phrases that are, sounds like Christians in general, which I mean, great, but... Yeah, no, I, wow. it's, it, it is impressively specific. It is... Yes. Um, and, and I didn't hear anything programmatic in there at all. Mm -mm. Now, it can lead to all sorts of programs, but they weren't just saying, you know, you, you, like you said, we've got these four committees, so we'll write a, uh, a line about each committee, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's what our Sunday school program is. And there, I mean, there, there are key words in here, like exceptional worship. I bet they have real, a really good music program, yeah. for instance. Or... Yeah. Um, you know, their, own, their old children's choir college. Uh, <laughs> um, social justice, compassion, equality, diversity. That means they're probably open and affirming or whatever the, the yeah. Anglican version of that is called. That's, oh, 
Okay, so can we all aspire to have that kind of why in the entire church? And also for those of us who are programmatic leaders, like for instance, I'm programmatic leader, um, to have that kind of why for the particular program that we lead. And, and the longer I'm in this business, and, and I've been in this business a long time. Um, oh, we missed our opening line. We've been okay. in this for over 50 years, y'all. I'm sorry, I didn't see that. Yeah, 50 years and, and since Sarah's... Still haven't burnt out yet. <laughs> and, and since Sarah's so much younger than I, you can imagine who has more experience. It, it's refreshing to see, but, but th- this why is so crucial. And if we can't articulate the why, um, we, we, can, we can plan all sorts of things post-COVID, but it, it's going to be pointless. Um, and, and the why is really stronger than any virus or any garage sale or, or any program, any worship service. If, if, we're, if we're gathering for the right why for that particular congregation, the other things fall into place. We know what we can do and we know what we need to say. That's a great idea, but we can't do. And we can understand how something that looks on the surface to be radically different is coming from the same why and is actually integrated. And I think of this in how we as individuals can be very integrated people. Um, see my forthcoming book on this topic. Uh, where you can have, you know, an integrated person who behaves in really different ways according to the setting or looks really different. Like I'm my, my, my integrated self and what I look like on, you know, a Wednesday while I'm recording with, with Bill looks a, a lot different than, I don't know if I want to go hiking or something. Like I, I, I realize that's, that's not a, it's not, not my finest metaphor, but I think that it's really relevant because we often think that what we see is like what we see has to all be the same. Like, Oh, branding is about having all the same colors and the same fonts and our slogans are all alliterated, you know, like that kind of thing. And that's such a superficial way of looking at the integrity of the system. Right. And if we're thinking about, well, how do we move into, how do we imagine this future of who knows what things will be like in a year and 18 months, except different, how can we be living into that is, is in many ways learning ourselves like learning, learning more about ourselves and, and ourselves like in community, doing that introspective work of what really matters here, given that we are in such a new place, this new circumstance, what are we learning about ourselves? How are we as a community growing, changing, you know, and doing, doing that hard work and, and doing that on a community level? Wow, that's really hard. It is hard work and it's not fast work. Mm-hmm. necessarily which which would argue for it's time to start now because we don't know whether it's six months or 12 months or 18 months or three years or forever that we're going to be living um this way with covid um but we need to start we can't we can't be sitting around waiting mm-hmm. there was something you said as we were having our pre uh recorded conversation uh about um discovering that that it isn't just music with the choir that that is the deepest motivation, but but yeah. the relationships. And I was yeah. I was intrigued by that, and and think that that may tie into our conversation. Yeah, I I have always thought that community is a big element of any choir that I lead, of and of any music program that I lead. I would never have said that it was the most important part, though. 
And I think that where we are now, it is the most important part. Community within the musical group, and then that small group's connection to the whole churchwide community, mm-hmm. and having our faces be visible, and having, um, having that kind of connection. Um, and I think because, quote unquote, community kind of it, 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 um, it arises organically when you're in groups with people and you get along like that. That's there. I wasn't as intentional about it. I didn't have to be as intentional about it. And I didn't have to think, well, this is the most important thing because it was a given of sorts. And mm. now I'm seeing for where we are right now, this is by far the most important thing. And when I think about music making, um, yeah, we're, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not busy dreaming up the really like, Ooh, what really difficult piece are we going to learn for Christmas Eve this year? You know, I'm very different, very different factors that I'm considering. And I I think that that that's just an example of how all of us are having to say, but what is really important right now? Like who are we actually? Yeah. And, and what I'm realizing as, as I've been working to try and make it possible for worship in-person worship to happen at the church where I'm serving, um, particularly in sanctuary in-person worship. We did that one Sunday. Oh, that's before hard. We realized we had to back off of it because of rising COVID numbers in the area. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. What we had to do to make being in that room together possible, the, the, the few of us that could actually gather because we had to pay attention to numbers, mm-hmm. is, is we had to strip out all the meaningful stuff. Mm-hmm. We, no, we hugging. Had to, no hugging, no passing of the peace, no congregating uh, around the doors before or after to talk. The worst part was no coffee and donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and what really happens in all those pieces is, is the connecting that, that makes a, a faith life as disciples, I think, meaningful and and joy filled and and it's that that sense of of community of being in something together that that allows us to then go and make a difference together in Jesus name and and without that right now we're struggling in some ways mm-hmm. and and so as as i think about you know how do we um understand those important whys or those core pieces of a congregation's identity for us to, to, to use to think about future planning post-COVID, with COVID, whatever it is, um, maybe, maybe we have to look, or part of our, our work has to be by looking at the things we're most missing um, mm-hmm. or, or the things that are, are perceived as the deepest losses to us right now to say, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe these are our, our values. Um, mm-hmm. what's that, that, isn't there a scripture about uh, where, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe it's, it's understanding where our treasure and our hearts truly are um, that, that helps us begin to um, say, here's the foundation that we will build yeah. the future on. So much so. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the choir that I'm leading and how we're trying to figure out like, what is, is there any way for us to be in person singing together safely? And it's not about for us to sing together so that we can put on the production for Sunday morning so that we can learn the fancy thing. No, it's more like, can we sing simple songs, very spaced out <laughs> like that, that kind of thing. 
Um, and it's, it's really come, coming down to, well, what do we actually want? And it is that body synchronization of the, the, the same thing you get from sports or from dance. My people get it from music and we want our bodies to be together in that embodied community together. And, and I would even push that, that a congregation can get that in worship as well. It oh, absolutely. That's, that's one of the functions of congregational singing for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. for, um, uh, scripture passages or, uh, responsive readings where you're, yeah. you're saying yeah. things together, you're, you're putting your bodies in sync with each other. You know, there are just, there are those services that I, I wish they happened every week. Um, but, but where you walk out together and go, wow, we've done something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been yeah. somewhere and, and, and we don't even have the possibility for that right now. And, and I think folks really miss it. Mm-hmm. But they and, don't miss the long sermons. They don't miss the, at least in my circles, they don't miss all the hymns. They don't miss, they miss the singing together. They don't miss singing five stanzas of a hymn that they don't really know. Um, about God in about 25 minutes is not a proper way to think about a sermon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but no, it's, it's really interesting. Like what are people missing and what are they not missing and what's, um, and I realized that like, like there's a lot of theological issues at play here. Um, as always, there's a lot of theological issues at play. It's, it's such a, it's such an odd thing also, I think, to think about, like I, you know, I have a preschooler and I think about like, well, what is, what is he actually going to remember of going to church by the time we're back at church? And he, unlike most preschoolers across the globe right now has actually been in a church building, but because he'll sometimes go with me to church when I record like to the building. Um, but so like he at least has that sort of like connection of, oh, there is this place that I have been before that I used to go to um, with instruments, with, you know, whatever the thing is. And I wonder for all of us who are in that, that parenting mode where we don't have, we don't have decades of habit. You know, my kid is only four. Like I don't have decades of like, this is how we do the thing. I really wonder like, well, what is this? How's this going to shape things going down the future? Um, knowing honestly how nice it is to not chase after a kid on Sunday morning. <laughs> exactly. So, so to, to focus us back a little bit, how do we take all this information, what we're observing, what we're living, and, and begin to use it for thinking about the future? Because if, if we just let it pass, uh, if it's just a, a necessary evil to survive, we're missing a lot of what we have the potential to learn. Um, if we think we're just going to snap back to the same group of organizations and, yeah, and no. committees and, and, and same kind of monthly flow, weekly flow, annual flow to the life of the church, we're kidding ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, um, and so how can we use this time to, to realize afresh um, what we truly uh, consider important about our faith, uh, about being a disciple of Jesus, about being a community uh, as a church, and, 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 and drive after those things, um, and, and see those, those core foundational pieces as, as what we will build the post-COVID church on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good luck to all of us in the coming months. Um, and, and, and I by good luck, I mean, listen for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> amen. 
Amen. Yes, exactly. And, 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 you know, to play with, with our getting to nimble idea, I think this is going to require us to be very nimble. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and some of that is going to be um, a a nimbleness of, of dodging between, you know, what, what are our programmatic traditions um, that, that we think, you know, it's must so exist world without end. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what are, what are those, those core whys? Why, why do we do this? Why, why do we gather? What, what can we build upon? Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and that's going to be, we're, we're going to have to be moving and, and, and be creative and be flexible um, and, and be nimble. Let's, let's keep pounding the mm-hmm. uh, title. Um, if, if we're going to be faithful and faithfully walking into God's future. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So, um, I think that's where we should end. That's it for this week's installment of Getting to Nimble. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. Although, as we noted before, we are going to be taking a maternity leave. So we will not be back on the third Tuesday of August. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your ministry buddies and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find the show notes at sarah-bariza.com. I'm Sarah Bariza. And I'm Bill Smoots. Until next time, keep it nimble, but keep it legal.